Mike Dell's World number 113. Good morning, good afternoon, whatever the case may be. This is Mike, and this is, of course, Mike Dell's World Podcast. And uh, what is it today? It's March 2nd, 2009, just for prosperity, or prosperity, or however you call that. <laughs> just to uh, keep a record of what day I actually did this. Anyway, uh, I'd like to thank those who... Uh, sent me uh, little bumps and uh, recordings uh, you know via my request I sent out an email and if you didn't get the request uh, well here's your invitation to to uh, be part of the promo that I'm gonna do uh, 
you know, just want some voices uh, telling me this, that, or the other thing, or, uh, you know, I don't know. It, you'll, you'll see, I, I'll have a few examples here when I go ahead and play some of them that other people had sent in. So, anyway, a little inside podcasting stuff. Uh, wanted to shout out to Curtis, uh, Curtis Cross of the Sleeper Birth Cast. That's www.sleeperbirthwithane.com. And he likes to have the E's because uh, us that are part of the Blueberry Network don't have E's. <laughs> anyway, uh, let's see what else has been going on. Oh, I got to get it out of the way. Got to bitch about the weather. It's 10 o'clock in the morning here in uh, Traverse City as I'm recording this. And it's just now made it to zero degrees Fahrenheit. That's cold. It was minus eight overnight. And well, this weekend, it was, you know, it's been below zero at night, you know, all weekend. I was it Saturday morning, woke up, the house was 45 degrees, and uh, the furnace had quit. You know, and it's minus five outside, and uh, anyway, now the furnace is working. In fact, you're going to hear it start here really soon. But what had happened was the little vent pipe. We've got a, a you know, this is an old 1940s log cabin with a basement under it. And we've got a nice masonry fireplace that has a double flue. One flue comes from the basement uh, where the old coal stove used to be. Now a modern high-efficiency gas furnace. And... Uh, the other flue is, of course, the fireplace up in the main part of the cabin. Well, uh, being that it was raining a few days ago, uh, you know, real sloppy, slushy snowstorm came through and it's almost rain. Got real humid. When the high-efficiency gas furnace ran and ran and ran and ran and ran, uh, it would, you know, vent out a lot of moisture and... You know, basically the vent goes up the second flue in a PVC pipe. <laughs> it kind of sounds like a kludge, but it, it really is the way it should be. But the only problem with that is, is there was so much moisture that it actually froze shut the, the vent. And of course, without a vent, these gas furnaces don't want to start. You know, it won't light off the flame without adequate ventilation. So course the furnace quit so we got like i said i got up at 5 30 in the morning to a very cold house and went in the living room and got the fire going for two reasons one because it was damn cold and the other reason was to melt the uh, ice in the vent to get the furnace to go again and that's just happened i don't know a couple years ago it happened once but you know, normally doesn't happen, but sometimes it does. And, uh, boy, that furnace is taking a long time to start right now. It's only 60 degrees here in the studio, so if I sound like I'm cold, I am. <laughs> they say there's only 20 days left until spring, officially, but uh, that doesn't matter. I, I've seen snow all the way up till about the 1st of June here in Michigan and 
I mean, it's not like it's normal for it to be that late in the year, but it has happened. Usually by the end of March, the snow is pretty much gone. We usually get one or two little flakes here and there in April. But like I said, it all depends. This this winter's been extraordinarily harsh. Is that a word? Extraordinarily? <laughs> anyway, so enough bitching about the weather. And another inside podcasting thing, uh, John Martin and myself have uh, started releasing the Extra Class Ham Radio Pod Class, uh, also known as Extra Topics. That's a, a podcast class for those who have a general class ham radio license that want to upgrade to the extra class. Of course, we did a, a entry-level ham radio class, which is still available over at hamradioclass.org yeah, for free download. Uh, and there's a feed over there, whatever. If you you know if you don't have a ham license and want one. Uh, you listen to all these podcasts, go find yourself a test session, and you'll uh, you'll be able to pass the test. And, of course, we've got a general class upgrade pod class uh, also available over there for download. And, uh, like I said, we just started feeding the extra, which is the top ham radio license class. And this one seems to be fairly popular, so there must be a lot of generals out there that want to upgrade to extra. So that's that's cool. Uh, more the merrier, and uh, like I said, it's good to, good to keep some some people in the hobby. Speaking of which, I need to uh, contact a couple people about that. Uh, so anyway, enough inside podcasting. <laughs> I was trying to think of what to talk about today, and you know, talking about my adventures in the. Uh, uh, it's one of uh, Uncle Sam's misguided children. No, no, wait a minute. That'd be the Marine Corps. <laughs> anyway, it's part of the U.S. Air Force, and I talked about that last week. And, and I'll have some more stories about that uh, at a future date. But I was thinking adventures in broadcasting might be a good thing because uh, that's another one of my uh, former and present uh, avocations, I guess, would be right, because I never really did it for a living. I, I've been paid to broadcast, but it never made a living. So, <laughs> Anyway, so that, that's probably what I'll uh, talk about here. But hey, let's hear one of, uh, one of the uh, uh, promo things that uh, somebody sent me here. Uh, this one's uh, my friend Tom Wiles. I'm Trucker Tom from TruckerTomPodcast.com, and you're listening to Mike Dell's World. Okay, it's anything as simple as that. Uh, Jim Farley, uh, my partner at the What's Up With That podcast, uh, sent me a whole bunch of them, and I'll play one or two of them later just for fun. So, alrighty. Let's, uh, let's take a little break here, and then I'll... Uh, We'll come back with some uh, adventures in broadcasting stories. I'm going to play uh, Jeff Smith, Bohemian Financial Rhapsody. I guess this is kind of a, a day for a parody. Is this the real price? 
Is this just fantasy? Financial landslide, no escape from reality. Open your eyes, look up at your pies and see. I'm now a poor boy, high yielding casualty. Cause I bought it high, watched it blow, rating high, value low. Just killed my fund. Quoted CDOs instead. Pulled the trigger, now it's dead. Mama, I had just begun. These CDOs have blown it all away. Super senior, super senior, super senior, super senior CDO. Mythical. I'm on a subprime CDO fantasy. He's on a subprime CDO fantasy. Spare the wonderful, no baby for gold. Easy come, easy go. Will you let me go? Mamma mia, mamma mia, mamma mia, let me go. Yes,
Okay, well that was uh, Jeff Smith and a good parody of uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> yeah, Jeff's really, really good. Uh, haven't seen him in concert. I, I met him at the uh, New Media Expo back in uh, what was it August of last year in uh, Las Vegas. Actually, I bumped into him literally. <laughs> he was at the Blueberry booth, and I turned around and ran right into him. But uh, nice guy and an awesome musician. Yeah, I try to catch him uh, uh, live on Ustream. He does a uh, little Ustream concert. It's kind of like Matthew Ebel does. And uh, definitely a talented guy. And uh, I got one more song for a little bit later there. Uh, uh, Jonathan Colton. Uh, another very talented guy in the Podsafe music genre I, I don't know if he's really pod safe well, I, I i know he's these songs are pod safe because he he podcasted them <laughs> and he told everybody that we could use them so anyway enough of that uh adventures in broadcasting well i don't know if you guys knew this but uh, i used to work for a television station now i wasn't on tv i have a face for radio and i very seldom ever had to say anything. Uh, every once in a while there'd be a weather warning or something that uh, that I could, uh, you know, voice, but uh, it only happened a couple times. But I worked uh, mostly production, master control, uh, sometimes I'd work the audio board, sometimes I'd work a camera. And it was an NBC affiliate. They're still here. Uh, WPBN channel 7 and 4 and I don't know if it's normal in most parts of the country but here our uh, market uh, you know the broadcasting market uh, I don't know what they call them, DMAs or you know demographic market areas or I don't know what that means but our area is, is so vast it's one of the larger as far as physical size of a market, you know, the, the population's pretty low, but, you know, we cover a fair amount of geography. So all three of the major network stations, actually all four, Fox included, and PBS, have more than one transmitter. And, you know, analog TV is, you know, almost done, but... Uh, Channel 7 was in Traverse City. Channel 4 was in Sheboygan, which is uh, quite a few miles north of us. Uh, I don't know, what, 130, 140 miles north. And those two transmitters would cover the market fairly well. And the CBS affiliate also was, uh, or is, they're on Channel 9 and Channel 10. They're on Channel 9 out of Cadillac, Michigan which is kind of in the, uh, you know, a little bit uh, south of Traverse City, I guess. It's still in the Lower Peninsula. And then uh, Channel 10 was out of Sault Ste. Marie, which is up on the eastern tip of the Upper Peninsula. And they simulcast. And then we had 29 and 8, 29 being here in Traverse City and 8 being in Sault Ste. Marie. 
And then the PBS station, I, I think they had something like six or seven transmitters, so they didn't even uh, use their channel numbers. And the Fox affiliate has three or four of them around. So, you know, so that's why it sounds weird, channel seven and four. <laughs> but anyway, I worked for them uh, in the master control area. Uh, Part-time, worked weekends mostly. Uh, periodically, I'd come in and help with the morning show, you know, during the t Today Show. And, uh, what Master Control does at a TV station, or what they did do, now mostly it's, uh, well, I mean, there's still a Master Control operator, but m more than, more often than not, he's the, uh, the guy that, uh, you know, programs the computer to make the computer do what he wants. But back in my day, uh, we inserted all the commercials. We had these big three-quarter inch cassette tapes with the commercials on it, and the, and the whole room was just a shelf, you know, a bunch of shelves full of ad spots and promos and PSAs and some show tapes. Uh, the other thing Master Control did was, like some of the syndicated shows, they would come down on satellite, and you had to make sure you recorded the show and then uh, prepped it for broadcast, you know, or you'd... Uh, what they call toned it <laughs> you'd uh, bring it up to where the show actually started you back it off two seconds and then uh, record a, a tone on there so that the machinery would know that that's where it needed to cue to to uh, get it to to start on the at the right time so anyway that's a brief overview you know and, and you know master control would switch between the satellites basically they're the last thing before the transmitter uh, so if, you know, if they were in a live newscast, uh, you know, you'd switch to the control room and then uh, go to commercial break. You'd play the commercials. You'd send it back to the control room so they could uh, get the newscast, you know, the next segment of the newscast. And then they'd have these little weather breaks, uh, live weather breaks and live uh, news breaks. And, you know, master control would, uh, would insert those into the programming. And it was just basically you ran the station, uh, you know, anything from the studio, you know, you were the guy between the studio and the transmitter. And, you know, some funny things happen. <laughs> so, and, yeah, you know, other thing, uh, the other thing about this, uh, having two transmitters, I, I don't know if you're familiar with microwave linking, but our studio... This is was on top of the hill in Traverse City, uh, outside of Traverse City, but up on top of a hill. And the studio didn't actually have the transmitter or the transmitters uh, right there at the studio. They were separated, you know, by several miles. They had uh, the south transmitter was at a little town called Harrietta, which is, yeah, I don't know, 50 miles or so south of Traverse City, or at least that much south of the tr of the uh, uh, studio building, and so they'd use microwave. And it's kind of like satellites, except for you don't bounce it off satellites, but they're dish antennas directed at each other, and they directly have to be facing each other, line of sight. So these hops can't be, you know, super long. And and then going up to Sheboygan there was a series of microwave translator stations, they called them. 
So the Traverse City studio would shoot a thing over to Kalkaska, which would shoot a thing over to another little place called Leetsville. <laughs> and uh, I don't know, there was like three or four hops of microwave to get up to the Sheboygan transmitter. Well, during times of, of tropospheric ducting, that's a, you know, you go listen to the ham radio pod class, you'll learn about that. But uh, basically, temperature inversions, which cause radio waves to bend weird. And even up in the microwave frequencies, uh, it, can cause, it can cause them to bend to where the two antennas, even though they can see each other, the signal doesn't quite get there. So that's what's called a microwave fade. And, you know, we were pretty notorious for having the Channel 4 transmitter up in Sheboygan lose signal from the studio in a fade. And at that time, they would just go to, you know, it would just go to black or go to snow. You know, meaning, you know, oh, we don't have anything, but the transmitter's still on. And from our studio position, we had antennas pointed at Channel 4, and we had an antenna pointed at Channel 7. So, and we had a monitor in the control room for each of them that would, you know, monitor the off-air signal. And one night, I'm working, it's about 3 in the morning, and uh, NBC used to have this thing called Nightside. It was just a, you know, you know half-hour news program that ran over and over and over and over again, like CNN headline news does now. It was maybe a little change here and there, uh, half hour to half hour, but, uh, you know, basically the same thing. And then at the end of that hour, it, uh, I still remember this, 28 minutes and 45 seconds, we would have a uh, minute and 15 second local commercial break. And then it would go back into network. And I remember I'm sitting there watching the Channel 4, Channel 7 off-air signal. And, you know, it was one of those nights where could have some fading on Channel 4. And I said, wow, you know, it didn't fade at all. And I'm watching. It's nice and clear. Because, you know, every so often you had to go just look up there and check it and make sure that, you know, you weren't fading. Not that you really could do anything about it, but you had to log it so you could uh, make the commercials good. So just before the commercial spots, you'd make sure that both transmitters were transmitting and, and all that. So I look up there, and yeah, it all looks good. Night side's on, uh, looks great, whatever. Go into my local commercial break, and only Channel 7 has my commercials on it, and Channel 4 had some other commercials on it. And come to find out what had happened was the Channel 4 uh, transmitter actually had went offline for, I don't know, some power outage or something. It really had nothing to do with the fading. But there was another Channel 4 in, uh, I believe, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, or somewhere across Lake Michigan from us, that due to the tropospheric ducting that... It happens, you know, where the lake is really cold and the air is really warm and and uh, signals can go way further than, than they would normally. So I was actually watching the Milwaukee Channel 4 and, and not my Channel 4. <laughs> yeah, it's just the strangest things that, that happen technically. So anyway, let's, uh, let's listen to... Uh, what Jim has to to say here. 
Just when you thought it was safe to go back to listening to podcasts, you got this instead. Mike Dale's World. Aren't you lucky that you uh, <laughs> that you got this instead of a podcast? Well, it is a podcast. Let's see. Uh, and one of the other stories is we always did an 11 o'clock Saturday night podcast, just or podcast, newscast. See, I got my head in the wrong place. I didn't get enough sleep last night. Uh, that's a whole other story. But uh, anyway, we did a, a 11, 11 p.m. newscast on, uh, you know, on Saturday nights, just before Saturday Night Live started. And that was kind of the end of the week, and you know, they had the weekend crew in there. So we would always try to, you know, not try to, but we, we would mess with the the on-air talent sometimes and that was always fun seeing if you could get them to crack up during the commercial breaks and then uh, they'd come back and have to <laughs> laugh and, <laughs> and uh we had this gal uh, she's still on tv somewhere i last i heard she was oh not ohio i don't remember where she went but her uh air or her uh stage name was tracy jason and uh, she was the typical, you know, blonde, uh, <laughs> bubbly, blonde newscaster. And she couldn't uh, pronounce things very well as far as the uh, the local towns and stuff. So she would always come around and ask the people, you know, that had lived there their whole lives. Which, believe it or not, at the TV station, there wasn't a whole lot of local natives it was me and a few other people around that, uh, that so, so she'd come around and ask, well, how do you pronounce this? How, how do you pronounce that? How would you pronounce this? And so we, we started to give her uh, false, false pronunciations, <laughs> and she'd get so mad at us. But uh, she she got better at it. She, she knew better than to, than to ask. I didn't do it too much. I I didn't uh, didn't mess with her too awful bad <laughs> and uh, oh that reminds me of uh, another story uh, when I worked at the TV station that uh, uh, it was it actually made this blooper made it on to uh, Dick Clark's uh, Ed McMahon had that show on NBC the the bloopers and practical jokes show well, this actually made it to that so let me uh, set the stage here. So anyway, picture this. It's uh, uh, February 14th, and the local Catholic school uh, first grade class had made up these special Valentine's hearts for uh, all the on-air staff. And uh, so... The anchor woman is sitting. This is a Friday night podcast, and, or podcast newscast. Man, I'll tell you, my head is in podcasting and not broadcasting, <laughs> or newscasting for that matter. But anyway, the uh, anchor woman, uh, you know, at the end of her little, uh, you know, bunch of news, and just before the weather had mentioned, you know, that Mrs. So-and-so's class at uh, whatever school 
made us these paper hearts and uh, we're wearing them on TV tonight. And let's go to the weatherman and see if he's got his heart on. And of course, you know, everybody loses it in the control room. And then she realized what she said. The weather guy's standing there just trying not to crack up. But he finally pulls it together <laughs> and does his weather cast. And we went to commercial break. There was a giggling fest in the in the whole building <laughs> and if you don't get that joke well sorry but it was very cool anyway it were all maybe not cool but uh, it, it was funny and of course somebody took the uh, air check of that and sent it to dick clark and and they used it on their uh, on their uh, blooper show the other, uh, the other one that made the blooper show, which happened at another station up here, uh, TV 9 and 10, WWUP and WWTV out of uh, Cadillac, Michigan. One of their newscasters was talking about uh, snow plowing, and of course she's out on the out out in the field with her microphone and standing along the road and she's talking about the county road plows this that and the other thing i don't remember what the whole deal was but then just then a county road plow comes by and just just buries her <laughs> on camera it was hilarious and uh, that one also made dick clark's blooper show <laughs> so that was uh, that was different then uh, i guess the, the the one other story that i would have about uh, working at the TV station is uh, we had this uh, really uh, well, I guess there's no other way to put it she was a really hot uh, weather caster I mean she was just smoking hot at least on TV she come off that way in person she was pretty good too but you know you know TV can make you look taller and and uh, whatever and uh Anyway, she somehow ended up with a stalker, and quite a crazy one. So we just start the 11 o'clock newscast, and I'm in master control, and then, you know, they've got the director, the audio person, the graphics person, you know, puts a little graphics up behind them, and two camera guys. And this is all that's in the building, other than the... Than the uh, uh, on air staff and this guy comes through the back door and at that time they didn't lock the doors or anything this guy comes through the black back door of the studio and he's buck naked and he's headed for the studio you know he come in through the the engineering department and uh, i saw him about the same time the director saw him so we both jump up and you know had to block him off well as we were, uh, you know, holding him back and holding him down, nobody's at the director's chair, nobody's at the master control. So for about 10 minutes, the uh, newscasters just had to keep going and going and going because there was no, no way to switch to commercial. There was no way to, to do anything until uh, the, they got, the, I don't know, sheriff's deputy over there and somebody jumped into master control and finally put him into commercial but uh, that was uh, quite interesting and ever since then and even to this day and that's been you know 15 years ago to this day 
you go into uh, you go to the TV station. You can come through the front door into the lobby uh, during business hours. But after business hours, if you go in through the side door, you go in into this little uh, breezeway, I guess, and then there's a camera right there, and you got to hit the button, and then the guy in master control has to either recognize you or uh, say, no, just wait there until uh, somebody, you know, comes to the door, you know, whoever they were asking for or asking to see, but uh, nobody goes in there unescorted anymore, which... <laughs> Which is actually probably pretty smart, you know, even for a little small TV station like that, uh, there are crazies. So, anyway, all right, I'm going to play a song from uh, Jonathan Colton. I saw him perform this live in Las Vegas when uh, we went out there for the New Media Expo at the uh, Coverville 500 uh, podcast taping slash concert. And uh, he bought a, a special machine. It's like a drum machine synthesizer thing just to perform this song. <laughs> anyway, it's pretty good. Even if you don't like music uh, in podcasts, I think you'll enjoy this one. Uh, but if not, uh, for, fast forward four minutes and six seconds. Chances are your pants are not as fancy as the pair of very fancy pants that Mr. Fancy Pants will wear. When everybody's marching in the Fancy Pants Parade, he's gonna pass the test, he's gonna be the best, the best in terms of pants. You look in every catalog, you shop in every store, cause even though you have a hundred pants, you want some more. And suddenly you see the greatest pants you've ever seen, and even though you know it's gonna cost a lot of dough, you have to have the world's best pants. Say a little prayer for Mr. Fancy Pants. They make the big announcement and the trophy goes to you You thought you had some fancy pants and now you know it's true You look at Mr. Fancy Pants and hold the trophy high Everybody cheers while he's blinking back the tears He doesn't even have the best pants Say a little prayer for Mr. Fancy Pants It's all he had but don't Okay, I guess I lied. It's uh, <laughs> It was only a minute and 19 seconds. Oh, well. So uh, that's the way it goes. Sometimes uh, I read the wrong thing. What is it? Uh, I believe. Yeah, that's what it was. It was, uh, it was part, part of Jonathan Colton's uh, f uh, Thing a Week uh, podcast. He'd, he'd write a new song every week for a whole year. And this one uh, came out on uh, uh, 4.06. Not, uh, not April 4th, but it was, uh, oh, anyway. Yeah, 4.06, 4, I don't know. Anyway, that's where I got the wrong thing. So it was only a minute 19. So, hey, we can talk about uh, people for another uh, two minutes or so before, uh, and, and then they wouldn't hear it because they fast-forwarded. <laughs> Ain't that something? Anyway. Hey, this is Aaron Redner from Hot Buttered Rum, and you're enjoying Mike Dell's World Podcast.
Well, I hope you're enjoying it anyway. Yeah, that was uh, a group that uh, I have played a lot of their music already. I'm not going to play any more of it today, but uh, it was the lead singer from uh, Hot Buttered Rum. Really good bluegrass group if you're into bluegrass. Of course, as I said before, I, I get chastised a little bit about playing uh, too much bluegrass, but <laughs> in my opinion... There's no such thing as too much bluegrass. And uh, that brings me to uh, my other adventure in broadcasting. Of course, you guys have probably all heard me beat it to death that I'm doing a folk and bluegrass show on the local community radio station. Uh, by the way, it just got moved from Saturday till to Tuesday. So instead of Saturday from 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. like it's been... I'm now going to be on uh, Tuesday nights from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern Time. And that can be uh, heard over at www.wnmc.org. Uh, it's streaming. So, And the show right before me is pretty good. It's called American Crossroads. And they play kind of a mix of jazz, blues, roots music, bluegrass, whatever. And sometimes they have live music, sometimes I'll have live music, and we'll see. Anyway, I, I don't start that until a week from tomorrow on the Tuesday night uh, deal. So that should be interesting. Really don't have any funny stories from uh, radio broadcasting yet. <laughs> the only only thing I can sort of uh, laugh about, uh, a good friend of mine used to own a uh, string of FM stations, similar to the TV stations up here. A lot of the FM broadcasters, to cover the whole market, have multiple transmitters. And this guy actually had, let's see, I don't remember the whole thing, but he had uh, three different radio stations with multiple transmitters each. And... Uh, then he, of course, he has off sales offices in you know the various towns around. But this particular station is known as the Bear now. It wasn't then. It was uh, Classic Rock 105, WGFM, and GFN, and I forget what the other call letters were for the. I think he's got like five of them uh, that simulcast that uh, the Bear FM. And. Uh, Anyway, I was at the sales office actually picking up some uh, concert tickets uh, for the Bob and Tom comedy tour. And uh, it was about 10 o'clock in the morning, about, probably about, oh, I don't know, 9.50, 9.55 or so, Bob and Tom goes off the air. And then they go into their normal classic rock. And one of the salesmen in the other office, while I was waiting for my tickets, says, uh, okay, get ready for the giant clicking sound as everybody turns off their radios when Bob and Tom goes off the air. So, anyway, it, uh, so that's, that's, you know, apparently it was really easy to sell ad spots during the Bob and Tom show and not so easy for the rest of their broadcast day. I really don't know what's going to happen to broadcasting. I'm thinking that uh, the traditional local television broadcasters are going to have a real hard time, you know, digital or not, uh, 
with all this internet stuff and podcasting and uh, video on demand and all that, of course, they're trying to shut that down. That's a whole another rant of mine that uh, they took Hulu off of Boxy and it makes it a lot harder for me to watch Hulu on my big screen TV. I think even the, the cable companies are going to have a, a problem too. I think the cable companies are going to have to just bite the bullet and realize that not everybody's going to pay $150 for all the cable channels that are available out there. But they're going to have to just become network providers for uh, Internet. And everything will be delivered via the Internet. And I think that's probably the best way to go. Like that Verizon Fios service, you know, that you can get TV on Fios, but... You know, they've got a kick-ass pipe for uh, Internet. and I think more and more all of our stuff is going to start arriving via IP instead of traditional broadcast or cable or even satellite. You know, of course, uh, one of the larger cable companies, Charter Cable, which happens to be the cable company that I'm on uh, here in Traverse City, they're filing for bankruptcy or they're going to or they did. I don't remember. I don't... Uh, I don't uh, pay that close of attention, but, uh, you know, then uh, XM Sirius, which, you know, they merged, and then, you know, they were on the brink of going bankrupt, and then somebody put a whole bunch of money in into them, and the other alternative there was uh, both DirecTV and uh, Dish Network, or the parent companies of each, were interested in buying the satellite radio. I have a subscription to uh, XM, which I guess now it's just XM Sirius, and pretty much all the channels are duplicated, or most of them. And I don't listen to it all that much. I, you know, I probably should just dump them because I'm not on the road like I used to be. Uh, used to be uh, driving a lot more. You know, I drive at least an hour a day. You know, commuting in, but now that I live, you know. Two minutes away from work, you know, listen to them. But when we go on trips or go camping or whatever, it's nice to have the satellite radio so you don't have to uh, switch radio stations. Sorry about the noise there, if you can hear it. Every time I say that, then I listen back to the recording and you don't hear much. But (laughs) that was the condensate pump on the furnace. They were up to a whopping 61 degrees in the in the studio here and outside the studio it's a whopping three degrees above zero at least we're in positive territory <laughs> anyway like i said enough about the weather but yeah basically uh, broadcasting's gonna have a tough time uh i don't listen to broadcast radio all that much even though i i do a show on broadcast radio i i might listen to it i do two hours a week of myself, you know, broadcasting, and I don't have to talk this much, so don't worry, I don't sound like a bumbling idiot on the air, usually. (laughs) Sometimes I do. But, uh, you know, I do two hours a week, and I might listen to another two hours during the week of broadcast radio. And uh, it's just because there's so much else out there to listen to and watch, and 
And I think that's just going to be more and more of a problem. You know, I, I remember back in the, I don't know, it might have been the late 80s, early 90s, they were talking about the 500-channel cable system. You know, that was going to split everything up. Well, that happened. And then on top of that, you've got the uh, Internet with, uh, you know, I think that last count there was somewhere around 50,000 podcasts. And by the way, have I told you uh, out of the, out of 50,000 podcasts or however many there are, <laughs> I'm glad you picked this one. You know, you could be uh, listening to whatever else, but uh, anyway. So, anyway, I guess what I'm saying is uh, broadcasting is going to have a tough time. Uh, you know, the, the advertisers are, are now starting to dry up, you know, with the economy the way it is. Drink. Yeah, that's the drinking game. Anytime anybody mentions the bad economy, you're supposed to take a, a drink. Uh, it started on CNET. I don't know if you guys listen to the CNET podcast, but anyway, all the advertisers are starting to dry up on uh, on traditional broadcasts because it's just not as effective. I mean, you know, if if I was to advertise something here, it probably wouldn't be all that effective, only because the show is basically about nothing, or at least not any one subject. Whereas our ham radio class is being sponsored by Citrix. Uh, go go to my PC, and that makes a little more sense because the people that would you know want to get their ham license are generally a little more technically inclined, and uh, chances are people listening to podcasts in general are more technically inclined than than say the uh, average person that listens to broadcast radio or watches broadcast television so instead of spending a million dollars to you know hit 20 million people with your uh, advertising for you know a week or so you spend 20 dollars to hit a thousand people that uh, are way more likely to buy what you're saying so they're Dollars, you know, what uh, Citrix is spending on all of its podcast advertising is probably a quarter of what it would take to put one ad on the Super Bowl. You know, like GoDaddy. You know, GoDaddy, of course, does advertise on the Super Bowl also, but, uh, you know, GoDaddy's one of the first sponsors of podcasting. And speaking of which, if you buy anything at GoDaddy, use my promo code POD85 for 10% off. Anyway, <laughs> I really don't push that that much. But, uh, you know, what GoDaddy spends on advertising per year, uh, you know, I bet you, you know, it's a very minuscule amount of their budget that goes to podcasting. But I'll bet you it's way more effective and, and and more and more people are going to understand that, and I, I just think I think that's just the future of broadcasting. It's going to be uh, IP delivered and uh, much more targeted, you know. Because you know, say you're listening to a podcast about technology, you know, you don't want to see an ad for something to clean your floors with, unless it's like a Roomba robot or something but you know what i mean you know that it's 
you're, you're less likely to be annoyed with an ad that is actually something that you would be interested in. You know, I'm a GoDaddy customer, and it doesn't really bother me to hear the GoDaddy ads as long as they're not long and drawn out and all that. Same thing with, uh, you know, audiobooks. Uh, what's that outfit? Uh, I'm drawing a blank right now, but uh, they advertise on the Twit Network with Leo Laporte. You know, they, they do the long, drawn-out ads, but they're somewhat interesting because they're talking about, you know, what books they're recommending and and all that. And, and I'm sure that's way more effective than uh, throwing an ad on the uh, nightly news with Brian uh, Williams on NBC or, you know, whatever. It's, or at least it's a whole lot cheaper for them to do that. And then, of course, there's the, the promo code advertising like GoDaddy does. You know, you don't get paid unless they sell something with your code. So, you know, the advertising could be free if it's not effective. And if it's effective, you know, everybody makes money. And that's, you know, just a cool way of doing it. And like I say, you know, there are some podcasts out there that just go way overboard with the with the advertisements. And, you know, that. but then there's other podcasts that, don't hardly advertise like this one, you know. I, I've, you know, I've got the ad deal with uh, GoDaddy for this one, and you know, what have I, what have I mentioned it maybe twice, you know, but, you know, it's uh, to be honest with you, the audience here is uh, either they're GoDaddy customers already, or, you know, it's just not. A good fit and uh, of course I've got kind of a blanket to add deal with GoDaddy uh, so all the podcasts that I do are you know technically sponsored by GoDaddy but it's it's more of an affiliate marketing thing so I don't feel bad about not pushing it you know but anyway and, and like the Citrix deal is a is a different kind of advertising and, uh, you know, I'll do that in the uh, ham radio pod class. We'll, you know, definitely mention our sponsor because they are definitely sponsoring, you know, in the true sense of the word. You know, they, they make it uh, possible to pay uh, the hosting fees and, and all that. And uh, she's even bought me a beer a couple times. <laughs> anyway, enough uh, inside podcasting, but. You know, like I said, with the broadcasters, they're going to have to come up with uh, some other way of of doing it. Uh, I'm thinking that the local broadcasters eventually, and, you know, you can put this in a time cap capsule and in 20 years pull it out and see if I'm right. But I'm thinking what's going to happen is there's it's going to whittle down. There's going to be one over-the-air television broadcaster in, in basically every market. And their thing is going to be local news and uh, and emergency traffic and soap operas. <laughs> I mean, really, there's just not going to be enough to sustain uh, the level of, of what they're doing right now. Uh, and same with the cable companies. I, I honestly think that they're eventually just going to be the method of of you getting your internet connection, along with other methods. I mean, you know, there's going to be, 
you know, fiber optics, fi- or Fios, as uh, Verizon calls it, uh, some, sort, some sort of WiMAX. Right now, I guess there's only two cities that have good WiMAX coverage. But, uh, you know, WiMAX will be uh, something that'll have to be contended with. You know, 3G, 4G, whatever G they come up with, it's going to be another one. That's the cellular companies that'll uh, provide you your access. And same with phone companies. You know, they're just going to be providing the DSL lines, and you'll get your uh, phone service either wireless or through uh, or through them delivered via IP rather than uh, twisted pair. Well, of course, I guess DSL is twisted pair, but you know what I mean. Uh, it's going to be all IP-based instead of, uh, you know, direct connections uh, through switches and whatever. But I, I do think the broadcasters are going to... It's going to be a really hard thing for them to uh, stay viable uh, over the next 20 years or so. So we'll see. But broadcasting, it's fun, and I'm, I'm going to stay involved in it uh, minimally. Uh, not for money-making, but for uh, fun and nostalgia. <laughs> it is something else, you know, like when I'm doing this podcast here. Uh, you probably didn't know it, but uh, I've taken three or four breaks where I've hit pause and look something up on the Internet or run into the other room for a minute and all that, and... I mean, you might be able to tell where I did that, but, you know, it's it's not time pressure. And if I screw this whole thing up, I can start over. In fact, I did once. Uh, I got 16 minutes into it and screwed something up and started over. But, you know, you can't do that in broadcasting. You know, once it's there, it's out there, and it's gone. You know, of course, there might be tapes of it somewhere, but... You know, it's nothing, nothing like this. You know, I put this out here and, you know, somebody could be listening right now and it'll be, uh, you know, 2026. And they're listening to, you know, some old podcast from 2009. Some some dude in his basement you know, blabbing about whatever. And, you know, broadcasts don't pop up like that uh, nearly as much. You know, like, I doubt... You know, anybody records my WNMC show, I don't even record it. So, you know, the chances of, of anything that I've done on broadcast radio uh, coming back is, is pretty much nil. <laughs> you know, whereas these podcasts, as uh, good or as lousy as they may be, they're going to be out on the Internet and, uh, you know, someday, somewhere, somehow, somebody will be listening to this to 20 years ago, or 20 years from now. Wow, wouldn't that be cool if they could be listening to this 20 years ago? Well, I'd like to be listening to this 20 years ago. I'd tell myself some pretty cool stuff. So, anyway, well, I think an hour is about my limit, and uh, we're about uh, 45 seconds away from that, so I'm just going to go ahead and uh, call it a podcast. Uh, Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next week. This podcast is produced with Cast Blaster.